0: Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael. Working off the rust here. There it is. Haven't been here in a little while. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn.
1: We're back.
0: <laughs> there it is. We are back and we are getting ramped up. We have been sitting here talking about the regular season. It is going to start pretty soon. We are only 24 days away from the first preseason Browns game. So the season is coming can taste sooner. It. can taste it rather than later. It is going to be so sweet. And as you guys know, we have been recording every other week, eh, kind of, um, during this <laughs> offseason. We might have skipped one or two. Um, but once the season ramps up, we are going to be recording every single Monday night after the game, recapping the game, um, picking the lines, um, moving forward. Um, but we just don't have as much to talk about during the off season, so we don't record as often. So today... We are going to be talking about a couple different things. There is some Browns news that had just come out. Well, across the NFL, actually, all of the Madden rankings came out for every single team, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, We are also going to talk about um, upcoming contracts that the Browns have to re-sign, have a conversation about that. And then we are going to recap the off-seasons of all of our AFC North rivals. So, first things first. I want to talk about these Madden rankings. Give the people what it's they fresh want to hear. News. It is it's fresh news. Hot off the press. Just um, today. Just today. Who do you think, Michael and Matthew, is the top-rated Browns player? Well, I know the, Mad the answer. It's got to be OBJ.
2: It is OBJ. It is OBJ. What do you think it is? 96. I know wow, know it is. Michael, you're so wise. <laughs> <laughs> but obj at 96 seems fair I feel like it could be higher than that but like I feel,
1: I feel like Madden rankings are always pretty reactive to like what the previous season was so he was hurt a lot like kind of had a I mean a, a terrible a, quarterback a less than stellar performance it's more reactionary than it's not very stable shall we say so it doesn't surprise me that obj isn't probably the top receiver
2: in the game all right who do you think two and three are Ooh. I actually am not positive who three is. I know that two is Miles Garrett. Um, she's not even letting Matthew pick, huh? <laughs> um, I would say three,
0: our
1: third best player, has got to be Joel Patonio. Um, it isn't. Who is it? Denzel Ward.
2: He's up there. It isn't. Um, let's think about Sheldon this. Richardson. No. It isn't. No.
0: Huh. Nick Chubb. It isn't.
2: Wait, our third highest rated player.
0: That was the closest guess. Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Kareem Hunt is a 90. I don't even think he's a One point worse than Miles Garrett. So we have three players in the 90. We got Odell, Miles, and Kareem Hunt. And then. Um, Denzel Ward is next at four as an 88, then uh, Joel Batonio as five. That rounds out the top five. Joel Batonio is our fifth. Um, what is Jarvis? Jarvis is, what do you think? I'm going to go 84. That is exactly right. Good guess, Matt. There it is. He's an 84.
2: All right. Speaking of OBJ, yeah, did you get. I I saw this on Twitter. Somebody um, put a graph up of like the top rated wide receivers according to PFF, and it was overlaid with their quarterbacks' accuracy ranking. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so this is what the chart looks like, <laughs> and you see OBJ like right in the middle of like these top receivers, and it's just this absolute crater. Like
1: where Eli Manning's accuracy ranking is. So, speaking of Madden ratings, Eli's ranked, like, he's a 76, 72, something I saw.
0: And Baker is an 83. Yeah. So, that doesn't surprise me. I I heard that they were in the Madden rankings taking this year to spread the rankings out. So, it used to be that the worst player on your team was going to be in, like, the mid-60s or high 60s. But now the worst player on your team is going to be in, like, the low 50s. So that way you can really see a measurable difference between the good players and the bad players. And so a bunch of players on Twitter have found out their Madden rankings. A um, uh, bunch of backup, them actually probably dropped. Yeah, dropped. The backup quarterback for the Browns. Um, oh, what was his name? Um, one of these. The rookie.
1: The rookie, yeah. Um, when? Brogan Roback? No. No, the just new recently. one. Um, He's out of Purdue. It's the, the undrafted free agent rookie we signed Did out we of Purdue.
2: Charlie Blah?
0: Yeah. Yes, Blah.
1: His was like a
0: so his a 53, his his was like a fifty three or something like that. He tweeted about it. He was like, Hey, to all you Madden fans out there, I got the worst Madden ranking of all time anyone's ever had. If you choose me as your quarterback in all Madden mode, win the Super Bowl, and I'm the Super Bowl MVP. I will give you. $100. It was like it was like 250. It was, it was like 250 <laughs> bucks, yeah. And tweet about it. There's
2: <laughs> like, probably a lot for Charlie Blaw. I know. I'm trying to think about <laughs> it, just
1: like putting 250 bucks on. Yeah. yeah.
2: So Good for him. my biggest gripe in amongst the top Browns grades is Miles Garrett at 91 because like there's a few players that had the perfect 99 rating, or I guess that's not perfect. Perfect would be 100, but they never give in 99 is the top they give anybody. They'll give 100 for, like, a specific characteristic, but not overall. Not overall. Okay, so Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, Bobby Wagner, and um, DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins all got the 99 rating. Okay, so I'm okay with Khalil Mack getting a 99 rating. He's been doing it longer than Miles has. But if you look at the value, like, is there really that much of a difference between Miles Garrett and Khalil Mack? I don't think there is. Like, it's crazy to me. What would would you put Garrett at? More like right at his number, 95. 95. I think that seems fair, but I guess I just haven't seen enough. He's – okay, so
0: he is at a defensive end position. 91 is the second best in the NFL. Eh, That's good. So that's saying something. Gives you a little bit of perspective.
1: I think it's more – I think it's also more perception, like – at this point in Miles Garrett's career, coming into his third NFL season, I don't think that people perceive him as a guy who will single handedly change in a game and win it. Where Khalil Mack has that perception, whether it's true or not, yeah. whether that's fair or not, like yeah. you, like coming into the season, Khalil Mack had that mystique and then showed up. A couple times for the Bears and, and did it. single-handedly won games for them, and so that reputation kind of precedes itself. I'm down with Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack being 99 overall. Yeah, can we talk about Bobby Wagner and DeAndre Hopkins being 99 overall? Like both of those players. Don't get me wrong, I really, really like them, but are they one of would you put either of them as the to me, four best to players me,
2: in the NFL? Well, and it's even not even the best players in the NFL. I feel like what's more what is more indicative of the ninety-nine rating is that like across the board, you check every single box and you've got it all. You've got the tools and like everything going for you. But you can poke holes in both DeAndre Hopkins and Bobby Wagner. Like they're production and they like make it happen on the field and they are at the top three. In their respective positions, no doubt. I don't think anyone's going to ask that question. But DeAndre Hopkins is not very fast. Is so he like? Be, is he the is best he... receiver in the league? Pro I, Maybe. I wouldn't say so. I, but he's in the. Would com- you? Pick, in the conversation. If you had
0: to pick one receiver right now to be on your team, would you pick DeAndre Hopkins? No, I'd pick Julio. I'd pick Julio as well. He's not the best receiver. Or DeAndre. OBJ.
2: I'd or pick OBJ. Julio or OBJ.
0: Yeah, I would pick Julio, but I'll take OBJ. Don't get me wrong.
2: I, so, like, that's just my thing, is, like, if you don't have the elite characteristics, like, how can you be 99 overall? Because isn't that what we're talking about with men? Like, it's isn't it a characteristics game? Is this is a rating based on, like,
0: what your it's literally, ability is. It's literally an accumulation of all of your individual characteristics. That's,
2: that's, yeah. My, yeah. that's my take on it. And Bobby Wagner, like, is very, very good, but the... I wouldn't say he's elite in like pass coverage, for instance, like as a linebacker. Like, there's a handful of other linebackers I would take over him in pass coverage.
0: All right, so here you go. Speaking of elite in pass coverage, what do you think Joe Schobert's rating is?
2: Ooh,
1: it's not gonna two-time gonna...
0: two-time Pro Bowler Joe Schobert.
1: Well, so... eighty-four. So I'm gonna go lower than that. I think it's gonna be like eighty-one. Matthew is closer. It's a 79. Yeah. So the, Do you think- this is also what's hard is that, like, his skill set doesn't fits. His skill set definitely fits, like, the modern skill set of a modern NFL linebacker, middle linebacker, but not necessarily, like, across the league. So you're, you're ranking players on a on numerical scale, really, with little adjustment or factor in for, for scheme and fit you know yeah
0: Dave, but david and joku's an 82 joe Schobert is a better middle linebacker than david and joku is a tight end right don't you think yeah probably i would i would think so at this point yeah yeah i don't know i just two-time pro bowler i think he should be higher than that steph i still i still want to buy the game so i can play hey do it play i'll come over I'll come over play. Make sure you buy two controllers, because <laughs> I will be over there. I think the Browns got ended up with a eighty three overall rating. Were well, well, they is their, like a team rating? Yeah, their, their team rating, which I'm sure is the best team rating that we've had in many many years. I'm sure <laughs> our special teams is just god awful. Um, let's see. Brenton Colquitt's a seventy seven, and Greg Joseph is a sixty nine, so they can't be that good. Um, who knows? Is
1: Seibert's going to be our kicker, right? You'd think. He's got the leg up. See what I did there? (laughs) I'm not not (laughs) proud of it, but I I do see what you did there.
0: All right. So uh, in other Browns news, obviously this is a huge deal um, within the Browns organization, within um, Browns as a whole. The royal wedding just happened. And I'm going to make a point that I want to talk about this. Our guy, your guy, my guy, Baker Mayfield, just got married. To the love of his life, Emily Wilkinson. Emily Mayfield now, I suppose. Did she take his name? I, I don't assume, know. I
2: assume. Why wouldn't she? <laughs>
1: yeah. I, mean, I would,
2: too. I would take that name. Yeah. I would marry Baker. Did you see the... I saw somebody posted a picture on Twitter, or, like, took one of the pictures that had been posted, and... It was, like, shooting from the aisle, and he was in some, like, wooded area. It looked beautiful, actually, where they were at. There was, like, a bunch of, like, ivy and stuff. It looked awesome. It was this
0: crazy ornate tree, like a big giant tree that was hanging. All the branches were hanging low, and then there was, like, strings of lights hanging down. It was gorgeous. I'm not going to lie. It was a fairy tale.
2: I saw a tighter shot that was, like, shooting down the aisle, which was at a lower level than where the bride and groom and the Bridal party was standing, right, and so you saw the first couple rows of people, like on the, you know, on the inside of the aisles, basically, and it was like a couple of normal looking people, and then big old Freddie Kitchens, the back of his head, is <laughs> <laughs> like super wide set dude
1: sitting on sitting like the right second the row. End.
2: Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, there you so go. So I'm showing. There's Freddie.
0: That's Freddie right there. You can see that big old bald head. He didn't wear a hat. Freddie wore his suit, but not a hat. So
1: good. Um, good for him
0: this so they had a ferris wheel at the re, or uh not a fair yeah yeah a reception. ferris wheel at the reception in this Whoa. in this giant field that is a that is a texas power move i mean i guess it was in you, michigan i guess whenever you have the money you might have wedding
2: was in michigan i think the wedding was in michigan yeah so i'm seeing on Emily. Or no that's another friend i had what had a wedding this weekend oh, that was in michigan uh, no
1: baker's not a friend of yours let's be <laughs> where was this wedding let um, be very clear about this. the cal amigos ranch uh let's click that see where doesn't that sound like michigan
0: because yeah. she went to nebraska that sounds all right we're zooming out it is in la Huh? in la they got married go. in la all right where neither of them are from
2: but that's where baker is in off season that kind of makes sense they probably live there in the off season
0: yeah there was this okay so there was this one picture that i saw and i'll show you this doesn't she just look like, yeah, I just Evan married Baker Mayfield? Yeah. <laughs> like you can see it on her face in this picture on her Instagram post. Like Yep. <laughs> yep.
1: She's,
0: She's feeling good. We're all jealous, Emily. Is that what you wanted to hear? There it is.
2: Super jealous. Um Who was in the wedding party? Anybody know?
0: I have no idea.
2: Not, I was curious about that. Not the faintest clue. Probably his like
0: marketing. Dude, that's also his like he best seemed, friend or brother. I'm yeah, not he sure. seems close to his brother, too. I yeah.
2: wouldn't be surprised if he was in there.
0: I would hope so. I wonder if anyone I from I wonder Michigan if any else- like
2: Oklahoma players or anybody made it. Maybe Chubbers? But Baker strikes me as somebody that would be like his high school teammates, would be all of his... Like- well, it's
1: like his high school teammates, and did you ever read that article like a couple years ago on ESPN.com about the year that he was ineligible? to play right. because he was he was redshirting cuz he transferred uh-huh. and he just became best friends with all these like random freshmen at Oklahoma playing mm-hmm. playing intramural sports like it yeah. would not surprise me at all if like
2: four of those guys like the made leading it up receiver yeah. from the champion intramural team yeah and then at he threw Oklahoma the, he threw in the 2014 team. that he just chilled
0: with for
1: an entire semester yeah they were just crushing the softball league and <laughs> oh football
0: could you imagine that's how it wasn't my College. It was all the athletes. They weren't allowed to play the sport that they were actually playing, but they could play every other sport. So, like, at Belmont, the basketball guys would just dominate flag football because they're all so much taller, so much bigger, so much more athletic, and it's a small school, so it wasn't even close.
2: Competing against I, all the music majors. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I asked Craig if I could be on the team. He said he said no. <laughs> weren't yeah. allowed. Sorry. Sorry. Um Okay, so moving on. One of the other things um, that we wanted to talk about, there's been this preliminary talk is the way they're um, talking about it of re-signing Demarius Randall. Um, So we don't know what that's going to look like or what that figure would be. But my question to you guys is, what would you want to sign Demarius Randall for? And more than that, would you even want to sign Demarius Randall? And if we didn't, who would you rather sign instead? Um, We got a couple different contracts that are coming up. Um, that are expiring at the end of the season. we got Demarius, Joe Shobert, J.C. Tretter, Kareem Hunt, obviously, um, Greg Robinson,
2: and um, Rashard Higgins. We've talked about this on the podcast in the past, to speak specifically about Demarius Randall, He's a tough case. He's only played free safety for one year. He played solid, but is he a top-of-the-market safety? And if he hits free agency, he's going to get paid like a top-of-the-market safety. At least that's what you think his agents are talking to the Browns about right now. Like, why would you settle for, like, significantly less? And the safety market was so depressed for a handful of years, and then it just spiked like crazy this last offseason. I mean, Tyron Matthew, Landon Collins, and Earl Thomas all got contracts this offseason, and they're all around an average of $14 million a year. Yeah. I don't want to pay Demarius Randall anything close to fourteen million dollars a year. That's absolutely ludicrous. Would me. you would you
1: give him like the Adrian Amos contract four years, thirty six million? So like nine
2: million a year. Maybe that's what he's making this year, just about. Yeah, he's, on was, his fifth year option. On his fifth year option, yeah. we're paying him almost nine million dollars. You think. just carry that forward still. I could swallow that, but there's no way he's gonna take that. That's that's the thing. I don't think Demarius Randall thinks that's where his value is. I think Demarius Randall thinks he's a top five value safety and he's going to want North of $13 million. Well, especially for him because he came from being a corner. And if he was
1: valued as a top corner in the league, he's making even more than that.
0: He is is the fifth best safety in Madden. Still got those ratings pulled up. Mm -hmm. Not the best best
2: free Free safety. safety. Yes. So, I just don't see there being a middle ground with Demarius Randall where we sign him ahead of this season, where the value would be. Like, my preference always in these situations is to get ahead of it and not let the guy hit the market and lock him up ahead of time. Like, I was dancing in the streets last year whenever we got Duke on the deal that we did because it was way below the value he would, we would have to sign him for if he hit free agency.
1: Yeah, and that's what you never know, is how does the player value themselves? What are they being told? You would, you would have to imagine Demarius Randall knows that he should properly position himself close to that $14 million average annual value, right? Absolutely. He's probably a little below that. He but, is
2: definitely below that. I don't think not, those guys are even worth the $14 million right. a year. That's the thing is I think that the safety market just kind of went into this crazy stratosphere this last offseason, and it's going to have to correct a little bit. And I think the Browns are going to have to wait for a free agency for that to happen. And hopefully they have a killer year, and there's a desire for a player like Demarius Randle to come back and stay in Cleveland. The, the trouble with the and Browns
1: is if we don't re-sign... I mean, we've got this year to play out, obviously, but if we yep. don't sign Demarius Randle,
2: who are... Safeties. starting safeties in we didn't dra- 2020. That was one of the but things. We did, the- we did. We drafted Sheldrick Redwine. Oh, that's true. And Sheldrick Redwine could potentially could be grow into that. A, a usable safety in the NFL. I don't think he's going to be a top-level safety in the NFL. I wouldn't expect. But I think he could be a pretty solid solid player. Yeah. Um, and so that's one thing to look at. Like, what does Sheldrick Redwine look like this year? I don't know. Um, but we'll have Morgan Burnett. He's not on just a one-year deal, so that locks up the strong safety spot. And then it's a question on who's the free safety.
0: Here's the thing, though. Here's my question for you. Isn't that you say Demarius Randall isn't worth that, even if he is top five best free safety in the league. Isn't he worth that if that's what the free safety market is? If that's what it's going to be, and that's what it – barring that it doesn't correct, if that's what it's going to be going forward and the cap is just going to continue to be raised and all these players, all of their – money is just going to keep going up, which it seemingly has been, except for running backs. Isn't that just going to be what he's worth? And it's going to be worth it to sign him sooner rather than later, always, to a long, long-term contract? This
2: is a question about positional value.
0: Yes.
1: The question's you, about positional but value. You, you just can't have, like a, you can't have and pay a proper market value for like top-level position players at every position. So, you've so, so you got to pick which positions you yep. want to if, play. That. If we're looking at this two, three years down the road, when we, we've got to pay Miles, we got to pay Baker, we got to keep paying OBJ. Which granted, that contract is really favorable. Yeah, um, there's there's gonna and, be and he's the longest yeah. player on contract with yeah. the Browns right now. There's gonna be decisions at the margin and. Do you want to have fourteen million dollars tied up? But a wouldn't free you so replace Especially given that we're not paying anything for our offensive line right now, which is going to have to be addressed. But wouldn't you argue that free safety is five, maybe six,
0: most important position?
2: I would no. take quarterback. I would take defensive end. Yeah. And you corner. need multiple defensive linemen before you start thinking about a safety and a corner. And a top-level skill position player, so which is like a wide receiver, and a quarterback. I already you said, said quarterback. quarterback first, so, so it's, it's like six or seven, at least. And the it becomes a question of like also what can you what is the replacement, what can you get as another option, yeah. and year after year a guy like Adrian Amos is available late on on the wire and or, like, or you a guy like demarius plays- randall before he was demarius randall like you can i think you can scrap the safety position together easier than a lot of these other positions and i'm going to be worried if demarius randall gets a deal north of 10 million dollars per year um, I just don't think it's going to be the best use of our assets. I think we could spread things around a little bit better. Okay. Given what Matthew said, that Miles Garrett obviously is going to deserve the top of the market deal. Yep. Baker Mayfield is going to probably make forty million dollars a year. Like I Which mean, it's just insane. But yeah, it's yes. the truth. Like well, Mahomes will get Mahomes get will get a deal, and, and then Baker's, Bakers going to be in the that. same neighborhood. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, that is crazy. All right. So both <laughs> of those things are going to win the Super Bowl the next three years, boys. Because. Yeah, hopefully long term Baker will Baker try will to emulate
1: Brady's win, career and be more Win us two like Super Bowls and you can have whatever the hell you want.
2: But yes. part of what you, but part just of what you off
1: into the distance yes. and
2: brought up is the fact that we have a few significant contributors yes. on our team that are in the last year of their deals. Yeah. So my question to each of you is: of those top three players, and maybe we can make it four. Let's make it four, just for the sake of the conversation. So we have Demaryius Randall, mm-hmm. we have Joe Schobert, we have J.C. Treader and Rashard Higgins, all significant contributors on our team, all in the last year of their deals. How would you rank and prioritize those four players in terms of who you would want to sign and in, in what order you would like them to be signed? Like, what's the priority for you?
1: Well,
0: I think first and foremost, it's J.C. Treader. I mean, with... Yes. what's happened to our offensive line. And Matthew went to the bathroom, so this is great. In these, He's not hearing Mark's ranking. Yeah, so he might say the same thing. I think J.C. Tretter is the most important. We need experience. We need someone that's as solid as he's been in the interior of our offensive line, and I, I want to pay him. I want to re-sign him. Um, after that, I know a lot of people, and I'm really high on Joe Schubert too, and I think you have a Pro Bowl middle linebacker that's as good in coverage as he's been, I, it's a toss-up for me between Joe and Demarius Randall. Um, I'm gonna say Joe, then Randall, and then Higgins.
2: Okay. So, but, the, but I think but the, I, the number
0: one is is so far above all the other ones to me. It's yeah. not. It's not even close. Because with Joe, I mean, we just drafted Mac and uh, talky-talky, and I see the contingency plan behind um, getting rid of um, Joe Showbert. I see what could possibly be. With J.C. Yeah. Tretter, I don't know where we go if we lose J.C. Tretter. We're, we're, we're in a seriously bad
1: situation. We'll see what Austin Corbett turns into, because maybe we're not. Well, yeah. Like, we, we've got to see Corbett play on the field – Coming in to the NFL, his proposed best position was center. So we'll we'll see how he does, presumably at right guard over the course of this season. If he does well, what then he we, could be our center of the future. Then
0: we just pick up someone in free agency and
1: over. To play right guard? Yeah. Right guard. I mean, not even overpay. I mean we've got we've got Kyle Kalis, we've got how many guards did we sign this off season? Yeah. Eric who Kush, Yeah. Yeah. Who who could potentially fill that role going forward? Um, I agree with you that Treder is 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 really good and is underrated. Um, but I don't know that he's
0: necessarily okay, the so, top priority. Here. So who out of those four, who do you think is? What's uh, your what's your rank order? You get the four. You got Higgins, Randall, Schobert, and Treder. You're John Dorsey.
1: Who are you re signing first? That's tough. I, th- I think it's – I think Higgins is off the table. We've got too many good young receivers. We're, we've, we've got receivers. You can find other receivers. But I think. do you
0: think Higgins is going to be expensive?
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I, it also depends on if like Dor- the- if Dorsey has the guts to, to get rid of Landry. If, if Dorsey Shh. has the guts to get rid of Landry, then – which – They better. It's for the – Cap number, it's the right move. Then Higgins becomes really valuable, right? Because he can come in and replace that production for much cheaper. If if we're also paying Landry, and you've got OBJ and Callaway trying to get receptions, Higgins suddenly is really not that important at all. Yeah. Um, I would say I would say Randall might be the most important piece. I mean, I know I know Ooh. we just talked about not wanting to overpay him yeah but i think given the way that our roster is constructed we've got young linebackers who could potentially replace um showbert i think showbert is a really valuable piece in a in a scheme but isn't universally like valuable i think demarius randall is a really dynamic player there at free safety improved it last year
2: i don't think i agree with you I think we all agree about J.C. Trader being the like, top priority. No,
0: Matthew just said he thinks Demarius Randall's the top priority.
1: <laughs> it, so, yeah, I mean, I chose Demarius Randall. I, th- I think it's tough because it all depends on number. Yeah. Like, like it depends on positional value. Okay, but, okay so what would but, yeah. you be
2: – I do want, I want to get there. But I think far and away J.C. Trader is the most important. Baker Mayfield, and you've heard countless people talk about this, and I, I definitely subscribe to this notion that a shorter than average NFL quarterback needs to have the middle of his line set and be solid. Because if he's got to be like moving around up front and doesn't have that set where he can throw over the line and feel confident in that, like it's going to jack up all kinds of stuff. And JC Trevor's been phenomenal. The question to me is, like, what is J.C. Treader's contract going to look like? I don't know what it is. What what does the center market even look like these days? I mean, there haven't been, like, a so Mitch Morse just got a contract this offseason. I'm sure we could see what that's like. Here, I've got it. So, my, but, I mean, you heard
1: my point before. I think we could be in a situation where once we see Austin Corbett step on the field where we feel pretty comfortable about, the replacement value that we have at center where we don't necessarily feel
2: but then you got that, right guard say, and you have another issue there and you don't want an issue across Kish any of those three Kalis, positions
1: and we've got like if it's not one of those two guys bring in somebody else like we're, we're we're talking about right guard here it's probably the least valuable
2: offensive line position i don't want to mess with that offensive line too much I, I mean,
1: you're already going to because we're going to replace the left tackle next year and probably the right tackle.
2: Exactly. So I don't like want to. Me- <laughs> I-, I don't want to have more revolving doors. Is my point. Like I know that those things are happening and those are definitely going to happen. So why are we going to get rid of the signal caller on the offensive line at center? Like I think that's the worst possible idea. I mean, he's a- he's
1: also not getting any younger. I mean, this will be his third contract in the NFL. Yeah, but he's
2: like barely thirty. I think I- I'm not worried about his age. That's not a problem to me at all. He's, and he played through injury all last season. He's 28 currently. So no you, problem.
1: you give him a, a four-year deal, get him through 33. Yeah,
2: that's not a problem. Um, center contracts. Mitch Morse and Ryan Jensen, Matt Paradis, all signed contracts this offseason. Mitch Morse is the top-of-the-market average salary now for centers at eleven. 0.125 million per year. Ryan Jensen's 10.5, Parodies is 9.6. He's in that range honestly with some of those guys. So, a 10 or 11 million dollars is probably what we're looking at if you're going to re-sign JC Cherry. He's making around he's making 6 and some change right now. And I think we have to sign him for that. We just took a big offensive line contract off the books in Kevin Zeitler. We've got a cheap right guard right now in our second round draft pick from last year and we just kind of roll with that
0: yeah i want to go back to so we're talking so much about money and the reason why that is and the reason why we don't want to resign um jarvis landry i want to talk about that Mm -hmm. for a second and make it very clear because jarvis landry next year is going to be making more money than odell beckham jr which is just absurd and we can drop him off our books for like almost no cap it. Is it zero? It's, um, all- it's not zero. It's like four and a half million dead Dead cap. But we're going to be paying him over $17 million next year. And so we're talking about pinching pennies on these guys like Demarius Randall and not wanting to re-sign him because we don't want to spend this extra money. But we're going to be spending... You
1: could add the cap to sign Randall, sign Treader to their new deals.
0: And you just have to get rid of Jarvis and you can get a slot guy.
2: There's a lot like of guys what we was can dump, though. There's a lot of guys we can clear cap space with. Jarvis is at the top of the list. Um, TJ Carey is high on that list. And Christian Kirksey is pretty high on that list. All three of those guys carry a pretty significant cap number. So going into, going
1: into 2020, how many of those guys do you think make the
2: final 53? One. Who? I don't know. Probably Jarvis, honestly. Jarvis is most likely, right? If I was betting on one, yeah. And just to correct what you were saying, it's he's not getting thirteen he's not getting seventeen million next year. His cap hits 14 fourteen and a half, but his actual cash that year is around thirteen. Thirteen? Mm-hmm. It's and I was right about the four and a half million dollar dead cap hit if we would decide to move on from him. But all those guys make a lot. TJ Carey makes over eight million dollars a year. It's crazy, too much. He's yeah for the value he he provides on the field. He's just he and and Kirksey
1: aren't going to make the 2020 Browns roster. This is unless
2: Kirksey. I can see Kirksey playing himself into a spot depending on what happens with Schobert and whatever. Yeah, it might just be like a better option to have that stability with Kirksey if he plays well this year. Well, it's like okay, maybe you keep him and you move on from Schobert. but like. Kirksey and Schobert definitely aren't going to be on the team in 2020. There's no doubt in my mind about that. So it's going to be interesting to see how all that shakes out.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, though. A max of one of those players Yeah, is is making The roster. Chris Hubbard
2: is probably next on that list. He might be. The problem is, is there's Ooh. such a deficiency in offensive line talent, and so... There's, it's not a situation like safety where there's another guy that you can just kind of plug in there and get like replacement-level value and production from. On The offensive line, it's just a lot more slim pickings than than what you got at some of these other positions. And so I think that makes you hold on to a guy like Chris Hubbard maybe more, more so than you would at some of the other positions. You don't want to move on too quickly. But, man, <clears throat> I think... Tack, the, the more and more I think about it, if we have a chance to get a top tier tackle at some point in the draft next year, like that's definitely what they're it's gonna the, do.
1: It's the position of need. Another guy who who could be a twenty twenty cap casualty is Chris Smith has a a five million dollar cap hit, and it's only one million dollars to to yeah. to move away from him. Yeah. So coming in as at best case our third defensive end probably fourth pass rusher you know you, you look at that positional value yeah so that's given our cap situation that's optimistic to look at kind of those guys and think how much money can be saved removing them from the equation and not losing a terrible amount of production absolutely um, all right, so moving forward, so
0: that's that's this upcoming year, but two years from now, quick question for you. Yep. How much do you think
2: is the top of the market for Miles Garrett? Holy cow. I mean, if you think about it, Khalil Mack just signed up an absolute monster deal, and it was about $24 million per year average, which is insane, and it crushed the rest of the market. So Miles is going to be signing his deal a few years removed from that, and assuming he stays healthy and it's in you know uh, on the same trajectory that he's been on thus far in his career he's definitely eclipsing that there's no doubt in my mind so 26 27 million per year is n- i mean within six, range. 6 years 150 is probably what you're looking at as kind of the
1: the baseline at that point which is just <laughs> a ridiculous amount of money at that point
2: yeah, and like that's Good where we you. reach the point where like you can't pay an Olivier Vernon. Yeah, how know? many
1: how many dinosaurs can you buy with 150 million dollars? A couple full dinosaurs, I would assume.
2: Assuming he sh- he shells all of it towards that. What what will Miles Garrett do? So wh- wh- how will his how will his fortune be allocated?
0: I don't think he's going to do much. He spends. He's going his... to
2: he's going to call Carl Nassib.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Try to get that interest rate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> learn, learn about the time value of money
0: um, most of what Miles Garrett does is probably will be super
2: to, boring he, he's just gonna like stash it away somewhere and yeah. just he just tries to meet up with RA.
0: people and get his dogs to hang out with other people's dogs. That's right. Really Roth all he does.
2: IRA. He can't have a Roth IRA. He's way over the income That's limit for true. a Roth IRA. That's yeah, he's true. putting like a like hundred times over the income limit for a Roth
0: IRA. He's maxing out its Roth with his five thousand dollars every year. <laughs> uh,
2: oh man.
1: That's pretty funny.
2: So the one interesting thing to think about though, and I've been thinking about this regarding Baker and Miles and this popped into my head once Philly signed Carson Wentz, because they signed Carson Wentz to that extension a few weeks ago, and it's after his third season. So that puts us in range to, if we would go according to that timeline, you're kind of getting a deal because you're comparing to the current market numbers, and you're getting ahead of it. For a guy, if you feel good about a player, in the long run – it is more advantageous to the team to sign them after that third season when they become eligible for an extension than to wait till after the fourth year yeah. or to give them the fifth year option and like if let the could, market continue to grow.
1: Obviously, if Baker's good and you could trick him to signing his extension before Pat Mahomes
2: does, would be marvelous, yeah. right? But this also is this consideration for Miles Garrett and. But a huge wrench in this whole thing is the fact that there's ongoing collective bargaining negotiations that are going on, and we have no idea what that's going to do to reset the market for what cut of the revenue the players get. And if the players get a bigger cut, that's going to influence the contracts. And I think there's going to be a period here pretty soon where we don't see any of these rookies signing long-term contracts. Like, we're probably pretty darn close to it. And so... I don't think that's even going to be an option for us to re-sign Miles Baker. Will probably be in the window where that new CBA is already in place, and that chunk of money will kind of already and the growth of the cap over the years will probably be pretty obvious at that point.
1: Did y'all see what the what each NFL team made
2: in profit share? It was like two hundred and seventy million. Two hundred
1: and seventy-four million dollars. Yep. That, that's on top of everything, their, everything residue, else.
2: their like local sponsorship, all that stuff. Yep. Two hundred
1: and seventy-four million dollars. Yep. I think the players are gonna like this has been the case for a while. They they need to like get their crap together. But they they're potentially in a situation where they could get a much larger share of the revenue and everybody would still
2: be fine. What's amazing to me about that is, like, that's, like, taking out all of the, like, league overhead and, like, everything. Like, what they pay Goodell, like, everything. And there's $274 million per team left over.
1: Yeah. Everything
2: that they could think of to spend money on what they spent on the draft to do all that crap here. And well, that, and like, that's the thing. It's like unbelievable. Like at that
1: point, you know, they just don't give a crap about expenses. Like you're talking about sand like, on a beach. Like if, Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. I'm this upcoming collective bargaining. I'm not worried about it from the Browns perspective from a, a contract standpoint. I'm worried the Browns are going to be good. And then there's gonna be a strike, like a labor shortage. Or no, it's stoppage. a legitimate concern, and we're gonna get like screwed in that regard because the Browns are gonna finally be in a position to be great,
2: Wouldn't, and
1: we're not gonna have the
2: NFL. For the a good year.
0: news is, is Wouldn't that that be hilarious.
2: The good news is, is that they're already talking about it, and we're two whole seasons away from the CBA. Is that being the up. good news? I, I think it's good. I think it's good that they're at the table, actually, I, like hammering some of that stuff out. You think it's going to cause a strike? And in- well, I don't think they're at the table. I think everybody just sees like the
1: storm of brewing, and realize that it's kind of the perfect storm here for, for there to be kind of a big clash of the Titans. I think. No, I don't the, think so. The last time the players realized that they kind of like misplayed their cards a little bit, worrying about like two a days and all sorts of stuff, like all these. Like, small things that the owners don't even really care about.
2: I don't know. I'm choosing to be optimistic about it. I'm hoping that the signs of talks going on right now is, is positive. And I said two whole seasons away. It's – the strike would be at the beginning of the 2020 season, right? Correct. Right? So, like, we have one full season, and yep. then, like, it would be a strike, you know, heading into the season after this next upcoming one.
1: Or a lockout. I can't, I can't see a lockout situation, but we'll see. We hope
0: not. Um, all right, let's move on to um, the AFC North offseason review. We all took one of the teams in the AFC North, and we just um, notated every single thing that they did in the offseason. We're going to talk about those um, acquisitions, their draft picks, um, who they re-signed, who they lost. Um, and we're going to talk about what these teams we're going to face twice a year are going to look like. So, Michael, who did you have? Steelers. Steelers. Tell us
2: about the Steelers. What are the Steelers doing this offseason? Well, the big news, I mean, that almost everybody that follows the NFL knows, is (laughs) the loss of some of their weapons, right? I mean, no more Antonio Brown, no more Le'Veon Bell. But the reality is that they didn't have Le'Veon Bell last year, so they're rolling with James Conner again this year. That's no different. So it's the Antonio Brown loss um, is the big – The big departure from the team. Juju steps up. They picked up Dante Moncrief. That is what it is. I think the guy's got some talent, has shown some things. Has literally... Dante Moncrief, the one thing about him, he's literally not had a quarterback to throw to him. He had Andrew Luck. He had Andrew Luck... For like a half a year? It was like when Andrew Luck got hurt. And then he had like whoever the Colts were thrown out there. And then he had... Um, what's his face in Jacksonville last year? I mean, he's so that's the argument I think Steelers fans are making about Moncrief potentially like making an impact. Um, I'm super curious to see how Juju does. Like, I think everybody thinks Juju's real good, but how much of Juju's success thus far has been from drafting off of Antonio Brown? When he's like the number one guy and has to separate and like make the plays on his own, like I'm skeptical. Well who
1: else is catching passes in that offense? I mean you, you don't have a they have
2: James a, Washington yeah, who was inactive for like he didn't a, play a, a ton numerous number of games last season. So it, that's going to be interesting. On their offense, the only other major change was Marcus Gilbert is gone, and they're replacing him at right tackle with a guy named Matt Thieler. And Matt Feeler got a bunch of snaps last year. Marcus Gilbert was hurt. And he actually graded out pretty similarly to Gilbert. It was like a couple points higher on PFF's ranking. So I think Feeler's fine. They feel fine about him. But to me, on the offensive line, the biggest loss the Steelers had was Mike Munchak, who is no longer their offensive line coach because he went to Denver. And that, to me, is bigger than almost – I mean sh- – shy of the Antonio Brown departure like that's going to be the biggest thing for the Steelers to deal with because that offensive line really they had talent but it really came together with Mike Munchak and everyone says that that guy is top two three offensive line coach in the entire NFL so I hope that means a little more feasting for for Miles and Olivier Vernon and then on the defensive side um they brought in rookies and stuff I'll Go through all the draft picks in a second. But they are swapping out inside linebackers. John Bostick and LJ Fort were their middle linebackers last year. They're both gone. Real bad. Real bad. And they brought in Devin Bush. And then Vince Williams is a holdover on their team who got a lot of snaps last year that will probably be playing a lot more inside linebacker too. They also picked up Mark Barron. So he's going to be in He's playing
1: linebacker for them, He's playing
2: linebacker probably inside is what he's been playing recently so it'll be interesting to see how the snaps um all shake out shake out there and then they picked up steven nelson cornerback from kansas city who's probably going to play opposite joe hayden so um already burns not working out no definitely not no i'm not worried about their secondary at all so as i look at that defense it's very front seven probably defensive line heavy like i don't i mean i guess their edge players are okay tj watt i like bud dupree I like when he's on the field against the Browns. I like the, that's kind of the way I feel. I don't. I'm yeah. not. I'm intimidated by some of their defensive linemen, but the back end of their defense is going to have some work to do. They they still are pretty weak there. Um, looking at them from a draft standpoint, I actually really like what they did with their draft. Not from a Browns perspective, from like an overall football perspective. I mean, they traded up to get Devin Bush, which was the biggest need that they've had. They haven't had any speed in the middle of that linebacking core since Ryan Shazier went down. And so they gave up their first-round pick, their second-round pick, and then a third-rounder next year to move up like seven spots, I think it was, to take Devin Bush at 10. As a Browns fan, hopefully he falls on his face and isn't nearly as good as they expect, and they gave up all those assets. But everyone seems to think Devin Bush is – Maybe it's slightly undersized, but, like, is the real deal. Then in the third round, they surprised a lot of people and took Deontay Johnson, wide receiver from Fresno State, who no one expected to go quite that high, but everyone's given the Steelers a pass just because they keep finding all these receivers, like, in the middle rounds that perform and do well. Like, I mean, going all the way back to Mike Wallace and Antonio Brown and all of these guys that they've had. But that's a significant question mark to me. Like, if you just look at it on its face, like, no one had Deontay Johnson going anywhere before, like, the fifth round, and they spring and take him in the third. Then they take Justin Lane at corner, who is going to give them some depth in secondary. I'm not sure how much he's going to contribute in year one, but. He's got all the measurables and stuff that you would want from a from a corner. So that's gonna be interesting to see. Then they took Benny Snell, running back from Kentucky. He's not super exciting to me, but he's gonna probably be the the backup running back now that Le'Veon Bell's out. And so it'll be the it'll be the James Connor and Benny Snell show. Everyone else is kind of nothing really to talk about. Fifth rounds and on. It's not really worth worth mentioning. When I was looking at all this stuff, though, one thing that did stick out to me, I was just kind of looking for, like, recap-type stuff to see if there was any, like, articles that had anything good. Barnwell did this uh, offensive weapon ranking a few days ago. Did you guys see this? No. So the Browns did super well in this. When you texted it to us. So – oh, I did. You're right. (laughs) Um, So offensive weapons, not quarterbacks. So we're talking skill position players on offense. So not offensive line and not quarterback. Ranking all of the teams in the NFL. Matthew, where do you think the Browns rank? Offensive skill position players. Got to be top five, right? What spot?
1: I would, I would say like five without specifically enumerating. Who, who like,
2: are you putting ahead of them?
1: Well, that's what I was just saying. Well, think about it. Um, Michael <clears> demands <throat> a decision.
2: It's interesting.
1: Yeah. Oh, man, it's, I know it's, it's tough to think about a team that I would take their skill position players. I know uh, maybe maybe the Rams, maybe the Cowboys, maybe you like the Cowboys. I don't know. You got they don't have a tight you end. You got Zeke. You got Amari Cooper. that's not dying. Like, That's pretty good. It's pretty um, good, but it's
0: not as good as Chubb, Hunt.
1: Yeah, probably not.
0: Jarvis Odell. Odell, really?
1: Yeah, I mean, Casey. I'd, Casey. I mean, Casey. Travis Kelsey's kind of the like Lynch paint of that You've whole thing. Ty Anti- Tyree Kill Hill, and Sammy Watkins. It's pretty good. I can see it.
2: So Barnwell's ranking is Rams chiefs browns number three then uh, then the cowboys were number four i'm pretty sure okay anyways so like that got my attention obviously when the browns were number three but what's interesting is he showed the historical he's done the same article for the last few years so he showed like what it was last year and the year before so the steelers this year are number 15 they're kind of middle of the road middle of the pack but last year they were number four and the year before that they were number two and Big Ben's not getting any better. No. Right? So, like, to me, you look at this offensive skill position ranking, it's great to look at that, but it's only so- as good as the quarterback is that's, like, feeding those skill position players, you know? Right. Like, that's the factor that, like, really influences, like, how good any of those units actually are. You didn't mention the Saints. Ooh. Saints
1: do have a pretty good skill position. Sorry, just thought of that. Kamara, yeah, yeah, yeah Thomas. Thomas. No, no, and the best thing good.
2: about the Browns, in my opinion, is now we finally have a quarterback that can actually like do something with that skill, position, talent. Because if we'd had it five years ago, it wouldn't have mattered diddly because we didn't have anybody to give them the ball. Uh, but in my opinion, Ben Roethlisberger is going in the wrong direction, whereas the Browns are going in the right direction. It just has has me very, very optimistic. No, yeah, who's,
0: who's definitely not on that list, or definitely pretty low, is the Ravens. What did the Ravens do? 26. <laughs> were they 26? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't think of a team that I would want. They were 24 last year last. and 28 the year before.
1: <laughs> I think yeah. I think the Bills probably have worse skill positions.
0: Yeah. LaShawn
1: McCoy is their, like... um, The, the, the well, Dolphins are really... Low. Dolphins are pretty bad. Yeah. The uh, the, jet, the Jets aren't great. Like, Le'Veon Bell, but...
0: Wow, the Cardinals got David Johnson Cardinals and Larry have David Fitzgerald. Johnson. Larry Fitzgerald's yeah. so old. Um All right, Matthew, what did you find out about the Ravens? M- thank you, Michael. That was very comprehensive. I'm good as at that. As always. Good at that. Fantastic. <laughs> well researched.
1: <laughs> very well
0: researched. I I can guarantee you that mine will not be as well researched as Michael's was. So, I'm going to I'm going to need him to jump in whenever I start talking.
1: So, the the Ravens off season was Fairly comparable to the rest of the AFC North, I feel like there was kind of this large pattern of exodus of talent out of the AFC North. We saw it with the Steelers. We see it here with the Ravens, Um, particularly on the defensive side of the ball with the Ravens. I mean, they lost um, Terrell Suggs to free agency. He's obviously aging, but he went to Arizona. Um, C.J. Mosley signed a big contract um, with the Jets left. They lost – Z'Darrius Smith, I, th- I think he went to Green Bay on a, a big free yeah. agent deal. That's a lot of pass-rushing linebacking talent that, that they let walk out the door.
2: That was uh, like the strength of their team. That was actually. the
1: strength of their team. They, they probably overperformed in a, in a way there. They also lost Eric Weddle, kind of the, the like veteran heart and soul of their defense. Um, so they're going to have to replace him. on uh, top. They did okay
2: with that. Yeah,
1: and we'll, we'll get there. Um, on top of that, on the offensive side of the ball, they lost, um, John Brown, who was probably their best receiver last season. Um, he signed with Buffalo. Um, obviously they traded Joe Flacco to Denver. Um, they're, they're rolling with Lamar Jackson this year, which is not surprising to anybody, but that's not a situation I would want to be in as, as my team. Um, just riding with Lamar Jackson and not really. Their backup option is Robert Griffin III, so he's like everybody's like washed up. Yes, quarterback. Please. Yes, please. So that is not a great situation that Baltimore finds himself in with that you, talent did hear, exodus.
0: Did you hear Harbaugh say that Lamar Jackson is not going to be running the ball nearly as much as he did last year? Oof. Which is just what is the alternative to that? Does that mean he's going to be throwing the ball more?
1: Well, because think, that's not well, I'm better. I'm sure that's what he wants. I think they're just going to be running the crap out of the football. I mean, they they gave Nick Boyle $6 million, like re, their tight end, and they re signed him to a three year, $18 million a year deal. He's a great blocking tight end. Like, there's, they they re they, they signed said. Mark Ingram from, there, from the Saints. Like, I think he's going to be their lead back. They're going to pound the ball. Zig um, when everybody else is zagging? There might be something to it. Yeah. The problem is with that mentality is I feel like you have to follow it up with a good defense and they lost so much defensive talent they obviously backfilled they lost Eric Weddle but but brought in um, Earl Thomas safety from Seattle who's probably the is best saf- best safety in the league so <laughs> so they're they're doing just fine there but that's one guy to replace to replace a lot of others uh um, yeah, that's
2: an upgrade on Weddle probably but that doesn't do anything to touch all the loss that they have in the top seven. They brought the pass rush.
1: they brought their former outside linebacker Pernell McPhee back, so so he'll be back in Baltimore. He's a he's a good player. Um, we'll we'll he'll probably be starting for them because I don't know who else is rushing the passer. Um, they brought in Shane Ray from Denver, um, kind of a a, a middling player who hasn't really inspired fear in anybody. So I mean they have bodies, but. But nothing that's going to strike fear in people quite like the, the, the people that they're trying to replace. Um, and then going into the draft, they, they did a nice job filling needs. The, obviously the um, headline catcher is bringing in Hollywood Brown um, with their first-round pick, which admittedly fills a huge need for that football team. I mean, they, they have been looking for an offensive playmaker in the wide receiver spot for, for years now. And so if if they found it with Hollywood Brown, but on the flip side he's about five foot six and, and injury can, prone. And injury prone. And so that, that could backfire on them as well. They didn't have a second round pick with their first third round pick. They drafted Jalen Ferguson, who's a prolific defensive end out of Louisiana Tech. With a terrible um, three cone. Yeah. Real tested really, really poorly, but was highly productive. In college, so we'll we'll see how that translates to the NFL. He could be a really really good player or not pan out into anything. Um, but they're trying to trying to fill that need that they the the hole that got vacated by losing Zadarius Smith and Terrell Suggs in free agency. Um, I think it's they added some nice pieces. It's it's hard to see how the Ravens got better this offseason. season. Um, Here we're. Yeah, definitely not on defense. I'm feeling
0: great. Thank you. It's hard to see how they got better. I went to go Pete, but you did mention
2: Mark Ingram, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean what they have relied on over the years is that like devastating defense that's been so consistent and it's hard to see that defense Living up to the standard that they've established, and who was it?
1: They've, they've got their two like huge defensive tackles. One of them got like sent home from mini camp or training camp or something for being overweight, being fat. Yeah, which seemed like a feature. But... <laughs> seemed like you knew that
0: <laughs> you knew what you were getting into there. Yeah,
1: so it's a little unfair <laughs> for you to judge me for this, given that it's kind of my job. Um, yeah, so. I'm
0: looking Sounds like two forward wins. to
1: playing the Ravens. Sounds like season. two
0: wins. It does sound like two wins to me. I, my main thing about the Ravens is I just they're going all in on this Lamar Jackson thing. I just can't see a situation where having your quarterback being as inaccurate as Lamar Jackson is is going to result in you being a great football team. Like It just historically never happened. Maybe it works... But it never has before. I I wouldn't be excited if I was like all the Ravens fans seem to be. They love Lamar Jackson, which I can understand. I talk myself into loving every every single sort of player that the Browns have because it's more fun to like them than hate them.
2: Yep. All right, that um, brings us to the Bengals. All right. What'd you what'd you dig
0: up, Mark? So the Bengals kind of have a had a a wet noodle of an off season. They didn't really. <laughs> do that much uh, that was very exciting most notably the best thing that they did was they didn't hire Hugh Jackson as their head coach <laughs> so they
1: hired, they hired that's a win the, that, 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 that is a win for any team. <laughs> that
0: absolutely is a win so they got Zach Taylor um, and obviously the the jury's still out about whether he's going to be a good fit but he's completely outside the organization has never um, been with the Bengals before so we'll see he's from that um, tree that everyone's so hot on the Sean McVay tree um, so, so we'll see about that, but, um, they lost this off season. They lost Vontez Perfect. Um, everyone knows who that is, um, which did is... Did he ever resign? Did he ever sign somewhere? Pretty soon. Not that I know yeah, of. he did. He went to Oakland. Okay. Oh, uh, that fits. That does make sense. Um, and defensive end Michael Johnson. Um, they acquired guard John Miller, who, um, is middle of the road... Offensive guard, he's like 64, PFF ranking. He might be starting now. Um, but he really could be. We'll get into no, that. He, yeah. um, they also signed Kerry Wynn, a defensive tackle, middle of the road, nothing. And B- B.W. Webb, um, a cornerback, um, absolutely middle of the road, nothing Nothing to Is note there. the
2: kid there? Went to Vandy? That's a Ralph Webb I'm thinking of, the running back. The running Vandy. back. Okay.
0: So they re- re-signed Darquez Denard, um, Preston Brown, C.J. Uzuma, and Tyler Eifert. And Bobby Hart. Um, It's interesting to me, CJ Uzuma and Tyler Eifert, they also drafted Drew Sample um, in the second round. So that's three serviceable tight ends that they're going to have. And they already have four on their team. So,
2: Assuming Eifert stays healthy, it's such a big question mark.
0: So Eifert just got re-signed to a one-year deal and Uzuma to a three-year. So that's going to be interesting. Um, Another thing that they did in the draft, so in the first round, As everybody knows, uh, with the 11th overall pick, they picked Jonah Williams because we know the Bengals need help on their offensive line. So, Jonah Williams out of Alabama, probably the best tackle in the draft. They drafted him, super excited. I think they're going to be able to fill those holes, and they're going to have Cordy Glenn um, move from left tackle probably into left guard, and Jonah Williams was going to fill that spot. However, Jonah Williams tore his labrum, and he's going to be out for the entire season. So now, Cordy Glenn's probably going to sl- slot back out there to left tackle and play left tackle for the rest of the season um, because he has to. Um, but then also, their guard Clint Bowling um, just announced that he is going to retire so, today. Today, so their offensive line situation is looking grim to say the least. Um, how losing. Many sacks, Jonah- how
2: many sacks do the Browns have against the Bengals this year? What's the over-under? Six. In both games? No, both games combined. Six? You only yeah. think it's six? I think it's more like an eight. The line's more like eight. I'm saying over. I'm not saying Miles Garrett. I'm saying, like, the whole team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say
0: over. I'm gonna, I want to see who is I – don't. I don't have this pulled up, but, like, what is the Bengals' current starting offensive line? Oh, it's not. I saw it on Twitter. It's today. not pretty
1: new. Really Cordy Glenn's playing left tackle. Yeah. Bobby we'll Hart's playing right tackle because he has
2: to now. That, that, yep. That guard that they signed is the right guard. Um, the center that they drafted last year from, from Ohio State Ohio. So John, Price is John the center. Miller, Bobby Hart. And then the left guard is the one name I don't know. Well,
0: John Miller and Bobby Hart will
2: play guard. No, no Bobby, Bobby Hart's, Hart's right going play right He's tackle. He's going to play right tackle?
1: Yes. He's okay. Right tackle. And he's terrible. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he is bad. His PFF ranking at guard was 56. Um, Yeah, Bobby Hart is great for the Browns. (laughs) Olivier is going to have a heyday. Um, So one of the other interesting things is that they drafted um, Ryan Finley, maybe as a possible replacement down the line for Andy Dalton, um, who's – just been this middle-of-the-road quarterback for how many years, but they're only paying Andy Dalton like $17 million a year. So super middle-of-the-road pay. But if they're not going to spend all their money on some actual skill positions, um, well, I mean, they they need to spend their money if they're going to keep Andy Dalton or find a quarterback that they want to pay. You were telling me at the beginning of the podcast, Michael, that all the Bengals fans think they're going to be great this year.
2: Yeah, I've seen so many Bengals fans on Twitter and elsewhere just seemingly so optimistic. I've heard talk about Joe Mixon like leading the league and rushing, which like I like Joe Mixon's talent, but there's just no environment set up for him to succeed, particularly with these like injuries on the offensive line. Like there's just no way that's going to happen. They're going to be playing from behind too much. And I think the basis for any optimism for a Cincinnati fan is just that they had some pretty significant injuries, like Carl Lawson, Eifert again. Some of these guys, like, were on the shelf. Andy Dalton was hurt for a good portion of the year. AJ Green was hurt. hurt for a good portion of the year. And if you assume those guys are healthy, like, automatically, I think they raised their their bar for this year. But the thing is, is they didn't fundamentally make themselves all that much better. At, they actually they didn't at all. And so... I just don't think there's a path. They're they're just older. Like, the best players on their team are, like, either at or past their prime. I mean, it's A.J. Green, it's, you know, AJ Geno Green's, Atkins. A.J. It's, Green's in a contract year, too. Yeah. I just – I don't see it coming together for him, unfortunately. This could get worse for the Bengals before it gets better. But, yeah, like, hearing you guys run through what they did – And, like, that Drew Sample pick in the second round of the draft, like, he was like a projected, like, fifth-round draft pick. It makes no sense why they, like, reached for him, particularly given what you said about how they re-signed those other tight ends. I wonder if that says anything about what they're looking to do. That's interesting. I mean, they do have some talented wide receivers, like A.J. Green that Tyler Boyd crushed last year. He was great. And if they could get a semblance of something from John Ross, like that, those are. That's a, that's a those good. Are, those, are one, talented, two, those are talented players. I mean, those are talented football players. And they've got, you know, Mixon back there in the backfield. Like, I can see how a Bengals fan talks themselves into thinking they're going to have a solid season because they were able to make the playoffs year after year with Andy Dalton for year after year. But the problem is, is like some of those players they leaned on. Aren't, either aren't there anymore or they're past their prime. Yeah, by far the two biggest question marks, as
1: Mark's alluded to, is the offensive line play and Zach Taylor being the yep. head coach. Zach and, Taylor, and he and couldn't a, get anyone to coach It's a big question mark. It's so a
2: huge question mark. We'll see. Yep. I think it's going to go south pretty quickly. I would love to see it. I, I mean, is it. this just the most... Opt- Back to the are, 90s era Bengals?
0: Are we just being like... Is this the truth of the situation? Or are we just being ridiculously optimistic about all
1: three of the teams and how bad they're going to be? I don't, I don't, th- I don't be? think anybody's optimistic about any of these three teams going into the year. And the, the one team that... The Steelers have
2: by far the highest like floor of any of those teams.
1: Yeah, but I think the Ravens have the highest ceiling also. Like, like if it works for the Ravens, but that is a huge. They if. They could make it work. That is a huge if. Like, but what? Then, what are but you then super the defensive Question
2: about? is still there. Like, how are they making that work? Like, they, I get they have you a really good secondary,
1: off- though. I mean, you've got Marlon yeah. Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, Earl Thomas. Like, you could basically lock down a passing game. If those guys stay healthy and play up to their potential, like that's really good. So that's super interesting. Is that what they're doing? They're like, okay,
0: everyone's passing. We're just going to have a nasty secondary. We're not going to worry about stopping the run because no one's trying to. And and then we're going to run because... I mean, it's not it's oh. not a bad it'll be strategy. Fun. It'll be interesting to see how it works if out. If I was playing just like a straight-up strategy game, I would like
2: what the Ravens are doing a lot. The thing is, is it'll be interesting to see how they actually like execute it because it's like we we can try to read the tea leaves and think that that's what they're doing but like actually implementing it's going to be going to be interesting we'll see i mean it's a huge it's true r- that secondary is like really solid it's a huge risk but that's why can't what it is. why can't we just run Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt down their throat because of the two fat boys in the center
1: Michael Pierce and Brandon something
0: i don't know that was your team
2: what is his name I don't I know
0: remember. exactly who you're talking about All right. we are going to wrap it up thank you so much for listening everybody we really really appreciate you um, if you like what we're doing here please um, show your love go to our podcast feed on iTunes and rate us five stars leave a comment we would really really appreciate it um, when you do that that goes into the algorithm that gets people to hear what we're doing um, so if you like what we're doing and you want other people to hear it you can just give us a rating that you would be fantastic. That.
2: And you know what else? Some I heard somebody say in a podcast, which I think is like a really reasonable thing. If you do like our podcast, go tell one friend to go to listen to it. Like that's like a simple, easy thing to say. You don't have to go tell everybody, but think of one person that might want to listen to it. Tell them about it. That helps us laugh. If everybody does that. That goes a long way. Hmm. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, yeah. And it also, might help also help you make
0: a friend. Yeah. Also, <laughs> tell your mom you love her. You should do that too. We got all kinds There's of lots advice. of things you should do. Life advice. <laughs> uh, thanks so much to uh, everyone who listens, our Tokyo listens, listeners. Follow us on Twitter at Sin of Our Fathers. Follow us on Instagram at Sin of Our Fathers. Send us an email, sinofourfathers at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear what you think about the show. Um, if you have any questions or want us to talk about something in particular, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much. Go Browns. Go Browns. Yeah.